You're listening to the River City Church Podcast. Our desire is that you know Jesus, experience freedom, find community, and discover purpose. For more information, check us out on social or visit us at rivercitychurch.co. Here's the message. We're continuing uh, a series. Last week, I talked about the fullness of Jesus, the fullness of Jesus. And we're going to continue that a little bit uh, today. John chapter 1, verse 16 says that of his fullness, we have all received. And so many people have some knowledge of or information about Jesus. And sometimes I believe it's an incomplete picture. Often it's an incomplete picture, maybe painted by religion in a way that, that uh, gives a, you know, I remember when I was a kid, I, I, uh, I had one of those pictures that was like, I think it was a boardwalk in Southern California where they, they painted this picture and it was one of those like giant head pictures and like little body. And I was into Superman because, you know, Christopher Reeve movie was big at the time. And so they had, I had this, this, this Superman outfit and a big cartoon looking head, which thankfully was not an accurate representation of how I would grow. Uh, although sometimes, you know, I did, I sometimes uh, have, my wife said I'm hardheaded. Anyway, no, I'm kidding. Uh, but, but here's the thing. When we are, when, when we have a picture of God, we want a picture that's accurate, complete, and we want to receive and experience the fullness of who Jesus is. And the Bible gives us, as a foundation, a clear picture of who Jesus is, a picture of who God is. And many people have their view of God informed by the culture, by, by information, sometimes even by flaky theology, and they get a distorted view of who God is. And we need the Word of God, we need the Bible to give us that clear picture. That's why any idea about God that doesn't line up with the Bible isn't a, isn't a valid idea that, that we believe the truth as it's found in Jesus. And that's what sets us free. So we're experiencing, we're talking about experiencing the fullness of Jesus. And here's what it says. We have all received his fullness. All of us have available to us the fullness of Jesus. So we say this with our, our kids and our students ministry, you know, there's no, it's like, uh, you know, when you, when you go to some burger places, there's the, there's the big Mac, there's the, the big double Whopper. And then there's like the junior version, like the junior cheeseburger that you get with the Happy Meal. Uh, And that's not how Jesus is. There's not a kids ministry Jesus and a youth ministry Jesus and a big church Jesus. And, you know, there's a different Jesus for the the person who's been a prayer warrior for 30 years, but but different than what, what the person who's a brand new Christian experience is. No, no. He's available for everyone in his fullness. And it says in grace, we've been given grace for grace or grace upon grace. What's the picture is like when you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, something happens. It's like being under a cascading waterfall that God continues to, without ceasing, pour out his faithfulness, his grace upon our lives. As we walk with him every day, we have available to us the fullness of Jesus. And Psalm 103 is where we're going to really spend our time today. Psalm 103 is an Old Testament psalm. Psalms were, uh, they were, they were worship songs. They were songs of, of, of gratitude or praise or adoration. They were songs that would turn the heart from, you know, just our, our earthly pain and experience to, to the focus on the presence of God. And, um, Psalm 103, I think is, is what's a Psalm of David and David, unlike Many people in the Old Testament, they saw the form. Many of them saw the form and the tradition and the ritual of the, of the Old Covenant, the, the tabernacle and later the temple and the sacrifices that would be brought, the lamb without blemish and all the things that were a part of it. But David, he, because he was close to God, 
saw what many in the Old Testament didn't see. And I'll just tell you a little secret. Worshipers get it first. (laughs) Worshipers see what everybody else has available, but worshipers tend to see it first. And he recognized, he said things like this, it's not bulls and goats you're after. It's not the blood of of a sheep you're after, but there's actually something you're after. It's a broken and contrite heart. You're after us. And he saw pictures of what Jesus would bring in reality in the new covenant. And David writes this in Psalm 103. He says, bless the Lord, O my soul. Bless the Lord and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. There's just something about human nature that we tend to forget, even when we've experienced the goodness of God in an area of our life. I can't tell you how many miracles I've seen and how many moments I have family members that were stage four cancer, terminal diagnosis, completely healed. And, and yet two, three, four, five years down the road, I, I can easily forget the dramatic miracle that I saw God do in their life. It's just something about human nature that we often are informed more by our feelings and by what's most immediate. That's why it's so important to write down what God's doing. I'm not very good at, you know, journaling and I don't keep a diary. Dear diary, here's my feelings. My wife does a much better job of that. I don't do that. But you know what is important is to write down what God is teaching you, what he's showing you, what he's doing in your life so that you have a reminder because I don't care how long you've been a Christian, you can forget. And David says, forget not his benefits. Don't forget what he's made available for us. And he's just going to list. This list isn't even comprehensive, church. It's just a starting point. He says, who forgives all your iniquities? He forgives. Aren't you glad for forgiveness? Oh, come on, church. Did I show up to the wrong place today? Aren't you glad for forgiveness? What we sang about, what we celebrate is we took communion together because I was lost, but then he found me. I think we, sometimes we get too sophisticated for our own good and we forget how much he saved us from. (laughs) We're like the Pharisee. I thank you, God, I'm not like that sinner. Instead of the, the man who knew he was a sinner and said, God, have mercy on me. And he walked away redeemed, forgiven, justified before the sight of God. There's something about remembering what he's done. Bless the Lord who forgives all my iniquities, who heals all my diseases. Whatever you're dealing with, it's under all. And then, and then he says he redeems, watch this. He redeems your life from destruction. Who crowns you? Just watch what he does. He forgives, heals, redeems. He crowns your life. Life strips crowns away, but not Jesus. He makes you a king and a priest. He gives your, worth, your, your life purpose, worth, identity, and value. No matter what life is taken, Jesus redeems and restores. He redeems and crowns with loving kindness and tender mercies who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth, listen to this last statement. This is where I want to focus on today. This is what got out of my heart all week for you because I believe this is what God wants to do in this place. He renews <laughs> your youth like the eagle. He renews. God is in the renewal business. I've got two simple points today. The very first one, if you're taking notes, is that God wants to bring renewal to your life. God's desire 
is that you would experience renewal no matter how long. Now, maybe, maybe you don't have a relationship with God yet, and renewal looks like finding forgiveness in Jesus, experiencing eternal life, a home in heaven, a hope that this world can't give and can't take. Maybe what you need renewed is your hope, your peace, your joy. Maybe what you're carrying today is wearing you down, wearing you out, and you don't know what to do next, and, and you need renewal. Maybe you need renewal in your family, in your marriage, and in, in, in your relationships. You need renewal. Maybe you need renewal in your faith. There's seasons where we become dry and empty, and, and it's just part of life that, that if we keep pouring out more than we take in, at some point we'll run out, and we need renewal. I believe the church in America needs renewal. The body of Christ needs renewal, renewed passion, renewed worship, renewed devotion to Jesus. Renewal changes everything, and it's the work that God wants to bring in our life. To renew means to repair what's been broken down, to restore, even to replace. See, sometimes we need restoration. We need what's fallen down to be put back in place. Sometimes we need replacement. And God brings something. Whenever God replaces what he brings is always better than what we've lost. But he's in the renewal business. It's what he does. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. If you get nothing else from today, take this one verse, that, that, that you in Jesus are a new creation. And he says, old things have passed away. What are the old things? Well, the old things of sin, the old things of shame, the old things of fear, the old things of, of bitterness and offense and brokenness and all the crud that we once carried. And honestly, we carried it without even knowing it was a part of our life. But then Jesus comes and he begins to piece by piece dismantle the very things that have held us captive. But the day you said yes to Jesus, you became a new creation. And this is your identity. Your identity isn't what the world has said. It's not your circumstances. It's not your pain or your brokenness or even your own failure. Your identity is you're a new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things have what? They've passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I think it's interesting that David uses the example. He says, our youth is renewed like the eagle. Some some things just I, I was thinking as I was preparing for this that, that children have that we often kind of lose along the way is we lose things like, uh, well, we, we lose our innocence. My, my daughter's really good at this. She's, um, I, I, I having, having the background I've had, having watched way too much Dateline with my wife. Although for a while I was watching Dateline with her and I'm like, are you like writing down notes of how that, <laughs> anyway, um, I'm kidding. She's not here to defend herself. Uh, but, but here's, here's, here's what I, 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 my daughter does. I, I wish, you know, she's, uh, God's working on me. So, so, so she is the best at making friends I've ever seen. Like she can meet a total stranger and there's just this, this innocence of saying like, you're my best friend now. And me, I'm like, let's do the background checks on them, everyone they know. Because there's just something about life that sometimes takes away that innocence. And, and there's something about redemption in Jesus that you're no longer looking at people with just fear and suspicion and believing the worst. 
And in your relationship with God, that there's not all this crud to taint. That's why Paul says, concerning evil, be innocent or be simple, but be wise concerning what is good. I think it's in Romans 16. He says, be wise in what's good. See, how many times do we watch, fill our life with, look up on the internet because we're just trying to find things to fill our attention and our focus and and maybe there's something bad going on in someone else's life and we want to know all the details. We don't need to know all the details. I'm going to help somebody today. Because if we only feed our life on the brokenness and the stuff and the problems, we become we, we become ignorant of what is good and we become saturated in the culture. I mean, I grew up in Las Vegas. It didn't take long for innocence to be gone. But there's something about filling our life with the things, that's what the Bible says, to meditate on things that are pure and, and good. Okay, so, so anyway, he, he, children are joyful. Do you know that? Children are joyful. And, and, and by default, your position as a child of God is to be filled with joy. Do you know, no one can take your joy from you, but you can surrender it. You can let life and circumstances and pain and problems take your joy if you surrender it, but nobody can just take it from you. You have to lay it down because as a child of God, your joy isn't based on circumstances. Do you know, do you know they say that we learn joy as children first and foremost by looking into the face of our parents? And if you want to know where real joy comes from as a child of God, you look at your father. In the presence of God, there is what? Fullness of joy. The more time I spend with him every day, the more my life will be filled with joy, peace, renewed hope. Job 14 verse 7 said, there's hope for a tree if it's cut down that it will sprout again. Its tender shoots will not cease, and through uh, though its roots may grow old in the earth, it, and its stump may die in the ground. I mean, this is like this tree's been cut down, it's been torn apart, it's been it's fallen down, everything's dried up. But at the scent of water, verse nine, at the scent of water, it will bud and bring forth branches. You know what the presence of God is for your life and mine? It's what brings hope. It's what brings renewed joy. That's why I'm gonna do everything I can to get in God's presence every day because I need joy. I need hope. I need peace that stuff and people and situations can't bring. Sometimes we're looking to the wrong thing to bring the answer and the only place we're gonna find it is in his presence. It's with him. He says, your youth, that it may be renewed like an eagle. The, the eagle is such a cool picture because an eagle will go through a process of molting where old feathers fall away, old feathers are replaced by new ones, and it extends the life of the eagle. An eagle can see further than any other, than, than, than most animals. An eagle has amazing ability to see past, to focus on, and, and of course, it's hunting its prey. But you and I, when God renews our life, it gives us renewed vision and renewed focus. You know your heart. My pastor said this for years. You know your heart as God begins to heal you and set you free. You know your heart is healed because you start to dream with God again. When I was broken, I didn't see a way forward. When I was bound, I didn't see a way forward. When I was hopeless, I didn't see a way forward. But then God began to remind me, and he does it for all of us, that I'm the, your freedom. I'm your hope. I'm your, ho- I'm your promise. And we start to dream again and go, okay, God, what can you do with my life? 
He renews our youth like the eagles. Eagles have the ability to soar over. Do you know, do you know like, like any bird, but, but an eagle is not effective on the ground. <laughs> an eagle's vulnerable on the ground, but it wasn't meant to stay there. And neither were you. See, there's some stuff that we're, we're dealing with at a low level, but if we'll begin to worship and we'll begin to pray and we'll begin to incorporate God's word into our life, it'll begin to lift us over the very thing we think we can't make it through. He says that your youth may renew like the eagle. Psalm 27, four, David, uh, the psalmist said this, one thing I've desired of the Lord. This is what focus looks like. This is what a new vision looks like. One thing I've desired of the Lord and that will I seek. David was a king, David had, David had a kingdom, he had, he had wealth and he had every resource, and he had all these things in life that people pursue their entire life after. David said, I'm not pursuing any of that. He says, you know what I'm after? There's one thing, there's one thing that fills, there's one thing that satisfies, and that's what I'm pursuing. The other day, what, what made me think of this is I was, my, my wife got up early to pray and uh, she beat me to it. She gets up to, to one room to pray and I'm, I'm walking in the other part of the house. And, but when I get up, uh, it was a beautiful sunrise. I look out and it's just, it was one of those days there was like, uh, like, a, like a, I don't know if you call it a fog, but there was like a little haze on the ground and the sunrise looked incredible. And, and I almost told her, stop what you're doing and look outside. And right as I did that, she actually was, she was praying, she was worshiping, and her attention was on Jesus. And right as I was about to say, stop there and look out here, I re- remembered that what she's looking at is the most beautiful, amazing thing she needs to be beholding right now. There's something about beholding him that it's, that's why we're passionate about telling people about Jesus. Because when you look at a sunrise, what do you do? You take pictures of it, you post it on Instagram. You want to tell people, look, don't you see how beautiful that is? Some of you have slept in your whole life. You don't even know what a sunrise looks like. Like, what is that? (laughs) Philippians 3. Is Jason here? He's, he's up with the team. I'm gonna, can I get Derek? Derek, can you come up here and help me? I, I didn't pre-warn you. Come on up here. And um, here's, here's what Philippians 3 says. Talking about renewal and focus. Uh, Paul, Paul the apostle wrote this. He said, uh, not that I've already attained or I'm already perfect, but I press on. And I lay, that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I don't count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching for those things which are ahead, I press towards the goal for the prize of of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. There's so much in front of every single one of us that God wants to bring and he wants to do. And like an eagle, for there to be new feathers, sometimes we've got to shed some old stuff. Point number two, if you're taking notes, and this is, again, very simple, but I like it simple sometimes. (laughs) If you can let go of that, you can take hold of this. Well, what's what's this? And what's that? Well, you know what it is. It's whatever you're carrying. Derek, can, I, I, can you pick up both of these in each, each hand? And uh, most of us live our lives 
carrying things we were never meant to carry. Carrying burdens, carrying weights, carrying our past, carrying old attachment, carrying fear and shame, carrying even our own ideas and traditions that are lifeless and dead. You know, I've done some stuff in my life where I thought, okay, God's in this, but it wasn't, he wasn't in it. I was doing it for God, and, and, but it was just another weight. It was something I was carrying out of obligation instead of something he said to carry. We have relationships. We have concerns. We have kids. I have three children, and sometimes I carry concern for my kids, and rightly so. You care for those around you, and you carry burdens, but the problem is things that we think are easy to carry today. The longer you carry them, the harder it is to hold them up any longer. I, I could give Derek, and, and Derek's a bad example because he's like the strongest guy in the room. <laughs> but I could give him just about anything at any weight, and the longer he holds it, the heavier over time it becomes. And there's some stuff today that you think, oh, I got this, I can manage this, I can deal with this. But the longer you carry it, the heavier it'll be. And the reason I had Derek come up here is because No matter what we're carrying, as long as we're holding it, it's keeping us from receiving what God wants to bring. So so I've got got my Bible here. And let's just say this Bible represents the promises of God, the very things that God wants to give to him, the very things God wants to put in his life, in his relationships, in his home, in his family, in his business, in his calling, and all of these things, because God has so much for all of us. Do you believe that, church? If you don't, I can reread Psalm 103. And there's so much he wants to bring, but as long as we're holding things we were never meant to hold, our hands aren't free to receive what he wants to bring. As long as I'm trying to, and some of us, we're trying to hold on to like too much, but we're still carrying the wrong thing. We're still carrying the weight. We're still carrying, there's there's some of us that are still carrying our past. And not all past things are bad. Thanks, Derek, you can set that up. He's like, that was nothing, piece of cake. I flip tires for a living. <laughs> Isaiah, Isaiah 43, 18 says, do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I'm gonna do a new thing. Isaiah is prophetically saying this. There's a word from the Lord. He says, don't remember the former things. There's things that are part of what our, our past season that we're still carrying. He says, don't even, and not all of that's bad stuff. I think it's the good stuff, but no, that's not God stuff. You know what I'm talking about? Like there's some things in my life that are good, but they're not God. Oh, I, I should just preach that for a few moments. Because it's easy to accept what's good, but if it's not God, it's a burden I wasn't meant to carry. <laughs> How do I know if something's God? Well, have you prayed about it? Because the Bible says, be anxious about nothing, but pray about everything. Anything I don't pray about and don't see God's will about, I'm carrying it on my own strength and ability. There's relationships in our life we're trying to change, we're trying to fix, we're trying to make this happen, we're trying to nag it into perfection. <laughs> we're, we're, we're trying to do anything we can to change that person till we realize that we're not the Holy Spirit and we can't change nobody. 
Bad grammar, good theology. That's a double negative, actually. Okay, my English teacher is speaking to me. Okay. No, but here's, here's, the, here's the reality. We are carrying things, and I believe today is a day for renewal. Today is a day for the new season he's talking about. He says, former things, I can't carry that into this. And as long as I'm holding that, there's no room for what God wants to bring. Joseph is one of my favorite stories in the Bible because Joseph is not known only for his promotion and Joseph known for being second in charge of the greatest kingdom in the world at the time, the kingdom of Egypt. But Joseph's more known for how he told his brothers a dream, thinking that, there's the innocence, thinking that they're going to celebrate with him, but instead they attacked him. They betrayed him. And those closest to him caused the greatest hurt. And if anybody had a right to hold on to a grudge and hold on to pain and, and hold on to unforgiveness, it was Joseph. Joseph was sold by his brothers into slavery. Joseph was then, as a slave, accused of a crime he didn't commit. He was put in prison and things go from bad to worse for Joseph. But what I love about Joseph is, is the key to what I'm describing today. Joseph became good at letting go. Joseph became good at letting go and giving it to God and receiving what God had for him. The Bible says that after more than a, I think it's more than a decade of waiting on that dream that God had given him to be fulfilled. One day, a call comes while he's in prison. A call comes for Joseph to be set free. And Joseph is brought out wearing the filthy garments of the prison house, having a beard on his face from, from neglect and, and years of turmoil and hurt in, in prison. And as they come, they change his garments because he's coming in the presence of the king, Pharaoh, and they give him a shave and he cleans off what's happening. He's shedding something old because of where he's about to go. And you know the story of Joseph, many of you. Joseph is able to minister to Pharaoh and Pharaoh says, you're the only guy that can do what I need done. And so he puts him in charge of the kingdom. And years later, the very brothers who betrayed Joseph came asking for help. And Joseph had within his power the ability to kill his brothers, had the ability to take vengeance, take matters in his own hands, make wrong things right. And you know what Joseph did? He forgave them. Do you know why I believe he was able to forgive in that moment? Because he had long forgiven him in a pit and in a prison. Joseph didn't carry the weight of his past. He didn't carry the weight of what others had done to him. Do you know, I think the greatest obstacle for us receiving from God, if I can just take a moment on this, is the weight of unforgiveness. In fact, unforgiveness takes things a step further. Not only am I carrying it, but in refusing to surrender it, I'm turning my back to the very things God's trying to do. And I know there's some things in our life we're carrying right now and we're saying, God, just take this. Just, just take this. Take this thing I'm carrying. But, but we haven't let it go. And it's only in surrender that we can really find freedom. 
It's only in letting it go. I, I, I was sharing this at a Freedom Track a, a couple months ago about how forgiveness brings healing and how the moment we're willing to release it, and I had someone in our church, she's here right now, I won't share the whole testimony because we hadn't talked about it, but, but, but I, I love this. That very moment she said, hey, I was just healed this last week or two. And it happened after God began to speak to me about forgiving. And it was a situation where, 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 where she had already said the words and felt that, you know, hey, I've, I've, and I've been there too. And we always say that, well, God, I forgive him. But then we're still carrying it. And do you know what I love about this? She said, the moment I forgave, God healed me. I went back to the doctor and the very thing they had said I had was gone. And they, they ran tests. And listen, you and I, when we release things to God, there's stuff we're carrying that as long as we're carrying it, it's keeping us from receiving what God wants to bring. Today's the day to release things to God. Today's the day to let go of some old mindsets, some old hurts, some old baggage. And you know what I love? There's never been a moment where I've laid something at his feet. And here's, here's the key. Because some of us are trying to let things go, but we're not letting it go in the right place. Because it's not just that I ignore it, pretend like it's not a problem. I just, you know, no, no. I've got to cast all my cares upon him. Jason, if you want to come down. I cast all my cares upon Jesus. Cast all your cares upon God. The only one who can carry the weight of what you and I are dealing with, the hurt, the pain, the, the baggage, the, the, the past experiences, the, all that stuff. And I, I, I'm sure every one of us has a story of that. Maybe today you're carrying something that is good, but it's not what God's called you to carry. But as we release things to God, the amazing promise is that what we release makes room. If you can let go of that. And if you don't know what that is, I'm gonna ask you to pray a very bold prayer today. To ask the Holy Spirit, God, what am I carrying that I need to let, let go of? What am I carrying that I need to give to you? What am I carrying that I need to surrender in your presence? And you know what the amazing thing is that when we let go, we're making room. We're making room for God to do what he's promised to do. I'm gonna ask you to stand to your feet, church. Do you know what Joseph... Before his brother showed up, Joseph had two sons while he was the right-hand guy for Pharaoh. The first son is named Manasseh, and the second son is named Ephraim. And Manasseh means to forget. And when he named him that, see, that's a strange thing to name your kid, but he named Manasseh and he said, because God has caused me to forget my father's house and all the trouble. And then the second son, Ephraim, means fruitfulness. And he says, because God has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. If Joseph had never done the first thing, which was to forgive, he would have never been able to be fruitful. 
but God enabled him to be both. God enabled him. How do you know that you're healed of the, of the pain of what somebody's done? You can pray about it and no longer have that sting. And, and I've, I've, I've had to walk through that. I've walked through moments where I think, I don't know how I'm ever going to feel good about this situation. But I would just, every day, every time I would be tempted to go back and, and without even being aware of it, sometimes I'm just walking around going, man, I just don't have joy right now. I just don't have much peace right now. And then I realize, oh, how'd this happen? I'm still carrying it. <laughs> and so the answer is always the same. Go back to the presence of the one who forgives, redeems, crowns, heals, renews. If you need renewal today, I want to pray for you. I'm going to ask our, our altar team if you come down. And no matter what it is, no matter what you're dealing with or facing, today I want to give you an opportunity to lay it at the feet of Jesus. There's freedom. There's healing. There's new joy. David said after the greatest failure of his own life. He said, God, restore to me the joy of my salvation. Whatever it is right now, religion will leave you empty, but Jesus will leave you filled. (laughs) He'll fill you with joy, new hope, new promise. We trust this message encourages you in faith and in your relationship with Jesus. To learn more about River City Church, find us on social or visit us at rivercitychurch.co.